Good morning, everybody. How's everyone doing today? Good to be together this morning. Great to be with you this morning. Happy New Year again. Um, it's just great, great to see everybody here. And uh, hope God is already blessing your new year here in 2023. Uh, we're beginning uh, this new year. And then last week, I really enjoyed that breakfast together and had a great time. I like it when we have tables set up. I wish we could do it every Sunday, eat together every Sunday. A lot of buzz in the air, a lot of excitement. And uh, when we talk about the new year, we're always dealing with starting fresh, starting new. That's why this series is called Do Over. I noticed that uh, the kids' ministry is doing a fantastic... I wish I'd have known that. I, w- I should have stole their idea. I love their graphic uh, about starting. You start here. We start right now. And they're doing that as well in the month of January with our children. And we've learned last week that God is a God of do-overs. He loves Christmas. He loves Easter. And he likes New Year's because that's right down his alley. He likes starting new things. He loves getting fresh starts to us. And we looked at a lot of different examples in Scripture where God does this. Here's an example of one in Hosea uh, 14, verse 5. It's in your notes and up here on the screen. It says, God says this, I will make a fresh start with Israel. He'll burst into bloom like a crocus in the spring. And so last week, we, we talked about this fresh start as a church as we kick off 2023. And uh, we looked at the, the plans we were making, and some of them were pretty bold. We're talking about paying off the note this year. That's a $237,000 special contribution. And I've already been talking to some people, and I know all of us together, we can, we can take care of that. Wouldn't that be nice to finally burn that note up? I say we have a big bonfire and throw that puppy into the pile. Uh, also, we talked about adding some people, adding staff. We're excited to have Sydney coming to work with our junior high students, and very excited about this. And we're also sending out a, 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 a little diplomatic team of people to Harding to look and see if we can get a, another youth worker to come and intern during the summer this year. It's exciting to hear this kind of stuff. And we looked at ministries and adding groups and, and, and uh, the idea of what was that going to take. And I give you a member, we talked about four different commitments that we ought to make if we're going to if we're going to accomplish this and the four commitments i brought before you were that we learn from the mistakes that we made last year uh, somebody said this that if we live the same way for 75 years don't call it a life if we're saying living the same old way and we don't learn anything no life is about growing and moving forward and improving and so that's what that's why we're saying, rather than looking for who to blame, look, how can I make it better? And then we talked about sharpening our skills. I think sometimes we've got some, we're a little dull in the, in the spiritual department as a church. We don't see needs like we, we need to. Uh, we, we don't rise up and, and make some things uh, to take care of some needs. And so we talked about how our spiritual growth is really on each of us. That is us, our responsibility primarily to train ourselves to be godly and to get that. And I hope that you were thinking, I need to make a commitment to, I want to hone and improve this spiritual skill or mindset or my faith. Then we talked about stepping out in faith, that according to your faith, Jesus says, it will be done. And you're really not going to get anywhere if you don't take a step. 
that makes literally that sounds like a yogi bear thing <laughs> you know but it's true you, you've got to take a step and another one and another one and if and, and all you need to be concerned about listen to me all you need to be concerned about is the next step in front of you just take that one don't worry about the ones coming down the road just take the one in front of you and see what happens perspective changes growth occurs when we do that and then we talked about getting back up when you fall down that it's important that we do that because we all fail we all blow it and yet God says, well, let's start right where you fell, not back the beginning. Let's start where you are and let's, let's keep going. And God rewards that. I, afterwards, uh, I had somebody uh, text me and said, I, Tim, I came tired and, and I came, you know, just a little bit down. And, but I left inspired. I left full of faith. And wow, I did the same thing. Went home. The Packers won. I was like, this is the best day ever. And then Monday came. And what's Monday? Well, you know what happens. You have a little time to digest what you've heard. Me too. I had a little time to digest what I said. And then I begin to have these thoughts pop up in my head. These reasons why we're not, it won't work. It can't work. It's going to fail. And I think about that, I think, I'm wondering how many of you felt the same way. Reasons that came into your head of, well, I don't see how this is going to happen. I don't see where we're going to be able to do some of this stuff that we're planning out. Because we're counting on God to direct us as we made these plans. I thought, thought, had thoughts like this. We're smaller than we were when we did some big contributions. Um, the economy, I mean, it's, it's, they're talking about layoffs, you know, and that can happen to me. And some of this stuff is a, really a reach or a stretch. And you see all the work ahead of you and the difficulty I would look at it. And I begin to come up with my own reasons and begin to go, you know, those are pretty good reasons. And they all appeared really good and valid reasons until I factored in God. And then all of a sudden I went, wait a minute. I just don't see how. God sees how. But I just can't. God can. That's what I kept hearing back at me when I would come up with these reasons. But, but, but. And God has a, he has two buts for every but I got. Every time I say, but God, yeah, but this, but this to him. You didn't think, you didn't factor that in. But when you start doing that, you find well, this, this reason, this really good reason that I have may not be as good as I thought it was. In fact, it might have a little element of an excuse in it. That's why I've called this lesson, What's My Excuse? Look at this passage here up on the screen. And in your notes, it says here in John 5, Jesus asked this guy who had been, been an invalid for 38 years, do you want to get well? What kind of question is that? But he asked him, do you want to get well? He must have saw something. He saw discouragement. He saw a guy giving up. He saw something to make him wonder, does he even have the desire anymore? And, he, and, and look what the sick man says. It says, sir, there's no one to help me get into the pool when the water starts moving. I try to be the first one in the water, but when I try, someone else goes in before I can. Then Jesus said, it's almost like he didn't even listen to what he had to say. <laughs> Stand up. Stand up and walk. What's wrong with you? You know, here's this guy going, I'd love to walk. I would love to. But I, it can't be done. 
And here's the reason it can't be done. I got no one to help me. Really? Isn't the help standing right in front of him? The help is standing right in front of him. He has no idea. That his reason, that may have been a good reason before, is now got this element of excuse in it. You see, when God is in the picture, whenever we bring him in the picture, this is what I'm learning from this lesson. That what may appear to be a good reason may not be so good after all. And I think about all the reasons I have for not starting. And I think they're good reasons. And maybe you've thought of some good reasons already. I just want us to sit back today and go and just think about this thought. I want you to consider this, church. Maybe your reason, like I'm discovering about mine, are not as good as I think they are. This is very important as we start this year. And why is this so important? Because the biggest barriers to a fresh start in 23 are my excuses. That's what's so important about this. It's so critical that we, that we have the courage and the openness and the humility to scope. I'm using a reason, but maybe it's an excuse. This, I'm just bringing it before you today. I want to bring four of them before you. There's four common ones. There's a lot of them. And you may even think of a few. And if you have a few others you, you think it would be a good common excuse, you can text me. My phone is on. and it'll, it'll, You can text it right now if you like during this lesson. I'm curious what excuses you think would be good common ones beside these four. Here's excuse number one. I don't have what it takes. You ever felt that way? I've, I've walked through here just a few weeks ago. Every seat that we could get in this room, we had full, we had for Montessori. They filled every seat for their, their Christmas pageant. And as I'm walking around it, and I was, I, I, I do this occasionally, I will walk, ever since I was at the, the Giants movie, I, who prayed over the lockers, I will walk between the rows of this, this church and pray. And I, if I remember where you're sitting, I, some of you I stopped and pray a while. But I'm praying, and, I'm, and one of the things I catch on myself saying, God, I'm not, I don't have what it takes to have a church that big. That's what, this is way too big. I can't imagine every seat full. I wouldn't know, Father, I'm, you got the wrong guy. You ever felt like that? You see something that's ahead of you? Somebody shoulder taps you, we want you in this ministry? Or you're at work, and, it, and God is just like opening the door so wide you can't miss the opportunity to share your faith you're thinking inside of reasons why you can't. And one of them is, I don't have it in me. I just don't think I'm the, I'm the wrong guy. Lots of people. Here's the thing I like about this. I want to encourage you to know, there's a lot of people in the Bible, famous, incredible people of faith that all had excuses like that too. You're in good company if you wonder. It's not, it's not crazy. Nothing, there's nothing crazy about me. No, you're, you're doing what every person does when they're following God from occasionally. They sit back and they do a gut check and they, they go, I just don't know if I'm the right guy. I'm the right woman. Look at this passage here. Gideon's probably one of those guys. God says to him, I want you to save the people of Israel. And look what it says. How can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest one in Manasseh and everyone else in my family is more important than I am. Gideon, the Lord answered, 
you can rescue Israel because I'm going to help you. Gideon says, Lord, you got the wrong guy. I'm not that popular. I'm the run of the bunch. I'm Our family have no money. We have no money. We, we, we don't have that much strength. And I'm so young. You've got the wrong guy. Have you ever thought like that? I've got this. I've got this. I've got this. There are reasons to be made. There are excuses for everybody. You just, you just stick your mind out there. You'll catch one. It's easy. There, there's always an excuse or always a reason. And Gideon's thinking he's got a pretty good reason for why he can't. And God says, let me give you a better reason that you can. And that is, I will be with you. You won't do this alone. Of course, do, do you have what it takes? Do I have what it takes? Of course not, but God does. God does. I don't know how. God knows how. I don't have the, the strength. God has the strength. I don't have the power. God has the power. And when you bring God into this, into whatever you're facing that you're wanting to change, your marriage, or you want to be more, more grow, be more effective disciple, you want to improve a habit, Whatever it be that you think, oh, I don't know, I can't do this. Or God calls you to do something. You feel the nudge. Somebody, the door opens. And you begin to go, I, I, you're trying to close the door. But you know, God will give, he makes the difference where you and I fall short. I have to tell myself this all the time. I had to tell myself that this week. Because already I'm thinking of reasons. I call them excreasons. Because they're reasons that are excuses. That's what I call them. <laughs> no. Of why it can't be done. And God says, stop talking like that, Tim. Stop talking like that. Look what Jesus says here. What is impossible with man is possible with God. What I can't do, God can do. And when God is with me, we can do it together. We have to believe that this year, church. If we're going to, if we're going to fulfill or succeed in the plans that we have set before God. Look, uh, let me give you, there's a list of people. I told you there's lots of people in the Bible. Let me give you a few that are up here on the screen. Here's the first one named Moses. And look, remember what Moses said? I'm not eloquent. I don't talk well. I had a preacher say one time, well, he's, he stutters. What he's saying is it's impossible for me to speak coherently. And look what, look what the Lord says. Who gave humans their mouth? He's saying, who gave you your mouth? It was me. I make all the difference. I know what I'm doing, Moses. You've got Abraham. He's told he's going to have a child. He says, it's impossible. I'm too old. I'm way too old. He's 100 years old. And God says, you're going to, he's 99. You're going to have, you're going to have a kid. I don't know if you've checked the things lately, Lord, but I just don't think 99. I mean, she's old too, and this isn't going to work. Yes, it will. Yes, it will. I love uh, what what the Bible says here. What it talks about Abraham, Paul reminds the Roman church. He reminds Christians in the early church who sometimes think they are too old or they don't have what it takes. He says, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations, even before God whom you have believed. Who, listen to this, who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. I'm too old. No, you're not. We're never too old. We're never too old. I, I'm starting to feel my age. I'm 65 and a half. I'm starting to feel my age. 
You mean it's taking you that long? Yeah. I saw her lady was 115, and she said, I feel like I'm 20. I don't feel 20 at 65 and a half. I'm starting to, I, I can tell I'm getting grumpy and cranky, and I got to work, Denise, so you got to work on that. I, I know I got to work on that. I don't want to be this grumpy, cranky person. And I, I've been around a block enough, I'm like, I don't know if I, yeah, I start thinking, and, and uh, maybe a younger man. We need a younger man. We need younger people. We need younger people. I sound just like those old people when I was young. They were saying the same, we need young people. I'm like, well, okay. And I remember thinking, when I get old, what am I going to say? We need young people in the church. It's true. It's, not, it's, it's the way it is. We need the, those people. But it doesn't mean I'm too old. And some of you here, who we're older church, we're not too old for God to use us. Jeremiah says, I'm too young. Look at that. You got another, the other side. Jeremiah, God says, I want to use you. He goes, oh, I'm only a boy. And look what God says to Jeremiah. But the Lord said to me, Jeremiah says, he remembers, don't say I'm only a boy. What are you saying? Shut up. Do not say that anymore. Okay. It's not going to get you off the hook. And look what he says in verse 8. Don't be afraid of anyone because I am with you. So while you're young, I chose you. You've got what it takes. I want to say to every teenager in our church, every junior hire, okay, even the kids in the back, you know, the youth of Greater Alton built this church. Some of you remember when you were kiddos and then you got into junior high, then you got into the high school ministry and then in the campus ministry. We didn't start a campus ministry when we started. We didn't have a camp. We had to work to that. We had a kids ministry and a teen ministry. And I'm saying to you, you, young, you younger people, I never thought I'd be old enough to say young people. I want to tell you, get your face out of your phone and pay attention to what's going on around here. We need you. We desperately need your energy. We need your insight. We need your involvement. We need you to reach out. We need you to tell us. That's. I, I, I sit down on the internet and I looked at the lingo of Generation Z. Wow. I am so behind. And the terms I used as a kid, <laughs> I'm not using them anymore. And, and, but, and, and what do we do? What, what do we do with that? We need to embrace, not, not necessarily the values of a progressive world we're living in. I'm not saying that, but we need to, we need to learn how to talk to this world. And we need, you, we need you young people to help us there. We need it desperately. We need your energy. See, there's always a reason if you're looking for one. But I want you to remember whether you think you're too old or too young or you don't have what it's taken or you can't do this, you can't do that. God is with you and he makes all the difference. He turns that reason into an excreason. You can't use it anymore. Not really. Because he promises his power and his presence and he promises his protection. And so you can count on that. If you'll trust him, you'll have what it takes. That's the first excuse. Number two, I have failed in the past. I am haunted by my past. Anybody else? I don't have to wait for Halloween. The past will do that to you. I've blown it in the past. I'd like to start. 
I'd like to try something, but the last time I tried, I, I flubbed it. The last time I tried it, I got burned. I got hurt. Are you still living with pain that happened years ago? It'll hold you back from trying again. I know a lot of ex-leaders that will not try leading again because I tried leading a group, I tried doing that, and I got hurt, I got criticized, I got shouted down, I got burned, I got betrayed. We talked about this last week. We talked about this this week in our leadership class. To be a leader, you gotta have to have skin about that thick. I'm a wimp, and I know that. I know as a wimp, man, I let so many little things get to me. And that's what happens in the past. We fail, we mess up. Um, my wife and I were having a candlelight dinner the other night. I had those two candles from the candlelight Christmas service. I lit them and I put them on the table. She goes, that's nice. You know, if you really want it to be a candlelight dinner, Tim, you need to learn to turn the lights out. <laughs> I said, you're just wonderful to me, honey. She goes, well, I'm just saying. You may want to look at that. I turned the lights out. I can't see what I'm eating. You can't see the face I'm making either. But, but you know, that's how it is. No, we fail. We mess up. And uh, and I, I I think about some of the flubs, Christmas candlelight, man, it just and I can live there. You, you and I can live in the past. Um, we should learn from the past, but God never designed us to live in the past. It's, it can be very, uh, it's a very bad place to live. I heard somebody say this one time: you can get excited about the future, the past won't mind, and that's true. Past doesn't care. It's in the past. But yet we, we let it come into our presence and let it come into our, our, our future. And this excuse, I have failed in the past, I believe can ruin the adventure, the growth, the pleasure, and the just the fulfillment of what a Christian life is all about. It just robs us of these things. I want to ask you a stupid question. How many of you are still crawling? Raise that hand up here. Still crawling? You're still crawling around when you go to the bathroom and when you're going to work? You crawl to the car? You crawl? No, you don't. None of us crawl anymore. Well, why not? You fell down hundreds of times. You don't remember? Oh, well, I'm sure there's some videos of us bumping our heads, <laughs> scars, scrapes. None of us, none of us as children, we hadn't learned this yet. None of us as children, as babies, as babies, we get back up and go, why? Well, don't you understand? You're, you're messing up. You're failing. You should stop. Stay safe. Crawl. No, we get back up again and again and again. Ride a bicycle. First time I got on a bicycle, into the ditch. Dad says, get back on the, I don't want to get back on the bike. I don't like my bike. Get on that bike. I'm glad. Glad I got back on. You know, it's, we learned this idea of, I messed up. So therefore, I have no business doing this. It didn't come, it, it wasn't with us originally. 
And that's what happens when we, with this idea, well, I failed, I've messed up in the past, can do to us. And the thing about failing and the thing about the pain and all this stuff that happens to us that's in the past, there actually can be used to help us learn and grow so we can make that very first step. I remember what happened last time. I remember, remember that time I bumped my head on the table. And then we, what happens to the path of that? We forgot all those bumps and bruises, didn't we? We just move on. Is there something there we can learn about, about our past when it comes to this reason that keeps us from starting? I think so. I think so. And I'm just saying is history is good. We don't want to repeat history. We should learn from our past. But God doesn't want us to live there. Rick Warren said it this way. He said, we are a product of our past, but not a prisoner of our past. And I agree with that. I don't have to be a prisoner, but a lot of times this excuse, we're just being, is, we're letting our past hold us as prisoner and it keeps us from taking that first step. Look at Isaiah 43 here from the screen. The Lord says this, do not cling to the events of the past and do not dwell on what happened long ago. Watch for the new thing that I'm going to do. It is happening already. Just look and you can see it starting now. And God's not saying forget the past. He's saying just can't dwell on it. You can't cling to it. Good or bad, whatever happens, successes or failures, you can't live in the past. Glory days, and the glory days are always ahead of us. So it's not about this idea of, well, I just remember this, I remember this. And some of us here, I, I'll tell you, we can, the Bible says that God takes our past sins and throws them in the ocean, you know, the deepest part of the ocean. Sometimes I think we have better memories than God. I know I can do this. I can think about all this stuff. Oh, I don't want to go through that again. Oh, that could happen. That could happen. But I'm forgetting something, and maybe you are too. That each time with all those failures, we're, we're now in a better place. We've learned more. We're actually in a better place now to take this next step. We're not as ignorant as we once were. Because we've learned from that mistake without having to live in the past. I read this in an article I thought was just the line. You know, you and I are going to live our mistakes and our pains and our stuff over and over again. Our brains, for some reason, there are some things that we just can't, for, we've thought about it so long that it's just there quickly. We can bring it up and we relive it again and again and again. And the pain, reliving the pain, reliving the disappointment, reliving the, just the, 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 the harshness of uh, something that's happened. And then this person said this, you cannot let the past have that much power over you. I thought that was really good. How, much, how many times have I had, the past has had this power, this hold on me. I've let, and, and no wonder I repeat it, because it's, it's with me. And I placed it in front of me when it belongs back here. And God says, don't dwell on it. Don't cling to that. Let go of that. It's one of, I think it's one of the chief reasons God deals with our past so effectively. Look at this passage in Zechariah 10. God, I will save the people of Joseph. And look what he says. I know their pain and I'll make them as good as new. So there's something in the past that's painful. And we all know it. 
the pain Israel experienced, they'll get a fresh start as if nothing ever happened. God says, I want you to have a fresh start, Israel. All that pain, I want to, I'm going to wipe it clean. And then he says, why would I do that? Because I am their God and I'll do what needs to be done for them. And so God does this for you and I. Takes that past, puts it in the past, leaves it in the past and says, don't cling to it. I don't. I don't bring it up. Why do you keep bringing it up? The only reason it's still a part of your life is because you're the one that keeps bringing it up. So stop doing it. Let it stay where it belongs in the past. And so I want to say to you this morning, if, if somehow you find yourself using your past as a reason for not trying anymore, God has made that reason an excuse. It's an excuse. Call it what it is. And I want to challenge you this morning to, sum, to summon the courage and faith that you have in God and try again. Excuse number three. This is a very touchy one. I find it a very confusing one at times. I don't have the time. I can't start something. I can't do something for the Lord because I just don't have the time. My plate is full. It's very touchy. This is a very touchy because oh, don't you think there are times you don't have the time? Anybody here know what I'm talking about? I don't have the time. We're very busy people. Our culture, our American culture is always busy, 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 busy. And this looks like, well, this one here is rock solid reason, Tim. There's no way there's an excuse in this. But if, if you take a closer look, you're going to find a little excuse even in this reason. And that's what I want you to think about. To look to see, is there any excuse when I give this reason? Because it, it's a very powerful one that keeps us from volunteering, keeps us from serving, keeps us from having closer relationships. It keeps us from leading and investing in Luke 14, there's a, uh, Jesus gives a story about a guy that's having a great banquet. And in this great banquet, he invites his closest friends. And he says, I want you to come, we're ready. And if you remember, that says they all begin to make excuses. But listen to the excuses. I just bought a field, and I've got to go see it. I just got some oxen, and I've got to try it. And the third one, I thought was a real good one. I just got married. You know, I'm busy, man. Marriage will complicate your life. And I'm, I'm, I just got married and I don't have time. I don't have time to come to your bank. I don't have time. I got oxen. I got, I've got time. I just bought something. I got to go look at it. I mean, I've got to be responsible. I got to be a good steward. You know, whatever you, whatever you want to frame it. And if you watch, if you read the rest of Luke 14, he says, fine, go invite some other people that have the time. And then he says, those ones that I invited at first that don't have the time, they're going to miss what I've prepared for them. Is there a lesson there? That sometimes because I don't have the time, I somehow rob myself of what God has planned for me? It can happen. It happens all the time. Now, in my over the years, um, I have learned some things, two lessons about my time that I want to pass on to you. Two lessons. In every season of my life, single, married, job, business, kids, grandkids, great-grandkids, maybe, who knows. 
what do I learn? Two things. First, I cannot do everything. We're in a smorgasbord culture and we want to do everything. But the truth is you cannot do everything. You have to choose. But, uh, but Tim, a lot, there's a lot of things. I know. And all of them, uh, there's a, everything has to get done. And I agree. And I'm having to deal with this. And my body is now telling me, you cannot do everything you once could do, Tim. And then when you, when you were younger, you didn't really do everything. You've got to choose. And here's what I've learned about our church here. This is very important. No one can do everything, but everyone can do something. That's all. That's all I'm asking. That's all I want to put before you. I know you can't do everything, because I know I can't do everything. But everyone can do something. And if we all did something, I bet everything could get done. And that's simple. Uh, of course it's so simple. That's the first thing I notice. That every yes and every no that I have when something needs to be done has can have an impact on whether or not I attain, experience, or miss what God has planned for me. Just a simple yes or no. Here's the second thing I've learned about my time. I make time for what's important to me. I make time for what's important to me. There's a lot of things that we do that are important. My shoe got untied and it's driving me crazy. Um, it's important that I do this. Okay. No, I, uh, I'm just thinking about this. Think about that for a minute. There's a lot of important things. I can't even get all those important things done. I still have to choose them. But, I have, but I, I've learned this about me, though. Maybe this is true about you. I will make time for what's really important for me. And we do this all the time. When I was single, I had lots of time. But I played tennis and did all kinds of stuff with my friends. Went to school. It was great. You know, yeah, I had to work in a few little bit. That was great. And then I... Then I get out of school and I get a job and all of a sudden eight hours are now taken. And the buddies say, hey Tim, we're going out to I said, I can't. Why? I have to work. That's what I said. I have to work. It's important. I gotta eat. So I've got to work. And then I so I get a job and then I you know I, I have a girlfriend. Guess what happens to my friendships when I have a girlfriend? Yeah. It changes. Hey, Tim, man, we're doing something. Got a girlfriend. Oh, bummer. Uh, I don't know. It's kind of cool. I get married. Oh, my goodness. Now it's totally changed. A lot. I can't come and go as I please. It's not that I'm under some regime that I don't like. No, it's just I have to be considerate of other people. My spouse. How many times I've come home late at night and he's to be crying. Where you been? This is before cell phones. You could have called. It was harder back then, okay? <laughs> You're right. I just didn't. Man, note to self. I gotta ask her. Hey, I'm thinking I'm, I'm thinking of doing this. You know, now we tell each other where we are all the time. I'm going to do this, I'm gonna do 
this? Okay, call me. Yes, yes, we call each other. We have no excuse. You get, you have kids. If you really want to see your schedule change, have a child. Oh my goodness. And if you really want it to change, have two. And if you're really crazy and you really live on the edge, therefore, I'm watching at my, my uh, grandkids. I love them. And one of the things I love about them is they come and visit. <laughs> but you know, it's, but I, 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 but at the same time, I'm like, I'm watching Matt and Brian, Nathan, Nicole, trying to negotiate through all these kids and they're, and they're tired. You watch and you see it in their eyes. You see it. They're just tired. Why? Because they're taking care of so many kids. It, is it important? Absolutely. Does it take time? Absolutely. So when someone says, hey, I'd like you to do this, like that, I can't. Why? Because my kids, my family. Is that a good reason? Great reason. Can it be an excuse? Oh, thank you. Oh, just the women were saying that, no men. Oh, there we go. Thanks. Yes, it could be. They could be an excuse. So it's, it's just looking at that. I was, I was with my grandchildren last week, Nora, and we're in my new shed. And it's, you know, I think when you build a big shed, you fill it up. I got so much junk. And I go, Nora, I know you're only eight, but you need to know something. What's that, Grandpa? And I said, you listening? I'm listening. Whenever you buy something, you have to take care of it. I know that. And I go, no, it takes lots and lots of time away from you. Some people travel travel lighter in life so they can have time for important things. This makes sense. If you're a young person, you might want to think about that before you buy a bunch of stuff because you have to take care of it. I just noticed though, I will make time. And each time, each time the pie gets sliced up a little bit more, that time pie, uh, the pieces get smaller. I have to find a choose. I had Jack, Jack Exxon was here years ago and his wife Ann, and he talked, I'll never forget this, he's talking about marriage and he says, here we are and we're cutting up pie and, and, and says, Ann says, my husband is saying, okay, this pie is our children. That's how much time. Here's our ministry. Here's, here's our this. It's just our dividing grandchildren. And then Ann begins to cry and Jack goes, why are you crying? Where's our piece? for our marriage. So I know this is true for all of us here. When we're looking look at this reason of, do I have, I don't have time. We're, I'm just saying to you this, this, to bring this to you, that we're called, look what the Bible says here. It says here, use your time the best way you can. And I believe you know how to do this. And it's always gonna change. It's gonna have to change. And what you think may be a packed schedule, and I don't have the time to do things around Greater Alton or in my small group or be connected, I want you to, would you just think about it and look at it closely again? I had somebody years ago named Rex Crossland. He was discipling me as a youth minister, and I was telling him how I don't have time, don't have time. And he goes, well, look, get your schedule. Just, just fill out a schedule. Huh? Fill out a schedule. Okay, I'll show you how busy I am. And I start writing in everything that I do during the week. And he goes, it takes you this long to 
do that? Well, no, I can do it an hour. Oh, well, you just found two hours. I go, what? We just found some margin. It's, and as he began, he took a pen knife and he cut out the hours that were not needed. And, it, and I found, I discovered something. I had time. I really had more time than I realized that I wasted a lot of time. And some of the things I wasted time on were, were things I thought were important. So I just know I make, I, I know I can't do everything and I make time for what's really important to me. And so I'm saying to you, church, and I say this as humbly as I'm not, not lecturing any of you here because this is a hard one for us. It's a hard one for you. I know this is because we're all busy. If we're going to capitalize on 2023, we're going to have to be willing to be flexible and available. And we may have to make some change, major changes. In fact, I know we're going to have to make some major changes in how we spend our time. Jesus is watching a bunch of busy fellows fishing. And look what the Bible says here in Mark 1. Jesus called them out, uh, called out to them, come follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. Talk about a major adjustment in time. They knew it was going to take time to learn from Jesus. They knew it was going to take time to serve with Jesus. And so they had to cut something out. And notice that Jesus asks busy people to follow him. They're already busy. They're already busy. Why is that? Because busy people know how, already know how, to make time and have time for the Lord. I'm asking this morning is to consider this as how much of an excuse is in this reason. I know we're all busy. But ask yourself, you know, um, will I make time for what's important to God? Will I avoid the what I call the when I, then I syndrome? Well, when I get this done, then I'll do this. When I do this, then I'll do this. Because there's, if you're waiting for the perfect time, it's going to be hard to find. Jesus doesn't wait for the perfect time. He interrupts your busy schedule at any moment. Look at the Bible says here in Ecclesiastes 11. If you wait for the perfect conditions, you will never get anything done. And I, I, uh, Gary was talking uh, about his money class. He says, I'm thinking that, I, Tim, I think that managing your money and managing your time, I think managing your time is more difficult than managing money. It's that, it's, it's very challenging. But it's something I want to put before you as, as something you're going to work on this year. I'm asking you in 2023 to try to find some margin, to reevaluate and look at all your schedule and go, I think I can find some time here. Because we all have the same amount of time. And we all decide what we're going to do with it. Here's the excuse number four. What I do doesn't matter. What I do doesn't matter. I hear this a lot. I don't matter, therefore what I do doesn't matter. Really? Who gave you that idea? Was it your mom, your dad, your kids? Was it, was it, was it somebody here at church? Was it me? Can I tell you something? We were all wrong. Whoever's giving you that impression, whoever gave you the impression you don't matter, me, Alan, Gary, any leader, any other Christian in this church, let me tell you, we were wrong. We are wrong whenever you feel like that. 
You see, this idea of it doesn't matter, you may get it from other people. You may get it from your workplace. You may get it in your church. But you never got it from God. Ever. Look how important you are. Look how much you matter. And by the way, you know, Alan's going to be doing a search for significance class where I'm looking forward to seeing him get that going. And look at how significant you are in 2 Timothy 1. Here's a passage that shows this. It is he, that is God, who saved us and chose us for his holy word, not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan. God says you're important enough to die for, to save, to choose, and you're important enough to use. I have lots of tools. you got lots of tools. Some of them got more dust on them than others. Why? You don't use them. God isn't interested in dusty disciples. He wants to use every one of us. <laughs> he does. He wants to use every one of us. And apparently the church at Corinth suffered from this excuse. They, they, they uh, had a problem here because they forgot how much they mattered. And in the message, this paraphrase does such a great job of describing this. Uh, if you want to read in your notes here, look how Paul addresses this, this excuse. I want you to think about how all this makes you more significant not less. Because I'm about to explain to you why you're more significant than you think you are. A body isn't just a single part blown up into something huge. It's all the different but similar parts arranged and functioning together. If foot says, I'm, I'm not elegant like hand, embellished with rings, I guess I don't belong to this body. Would that make it so? What's the answer, church? No. He says here, he says, uh, if the ear says, I'm not beautiful like I, transparent and, ex and expressive, I don't deserve a place on the head. Would you want to remove it from your body? Answer? Of course not. If the body was, here's how important it is, how every part is so important. If the whole body, uh, if the body was all eye, how could it hear? If all ear, how could it smell? As it is, we see that God has carefully placed each part of the body right where he wanted it. I want you, I have got you where I want you. That'd be a great sermon title. I've got you where I want you. Then a little song, I got you where I want you. Now I'm going to eat you. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I don't know where I come from. But you, you may feel like it doesn't matter. You may feel like I don't matter and therefore what I don't matter. And I want to tell you, it does. It matters so much what you do. Look at this again in, in 1 Corinthians 12. After Paul does this one, says that just because you say you're not this or this doesn't mean you're not important. And then he says that just because somebody else says you don't matter, doesn't that's not, that's not true either. In fact, he says the opposite is true in verse 22. The parts of the body that we think are weaker are the ones we really need. You say, but, but Tim, if I don't do it, somebody else will do it. You've got a body. If the left hand doesn't, if the left hand doesn't do it, the right hand will do it. Or if the right hand doesn't do it, the left hand will do it. Ask my mom which hand she wants to use. You know what my mother will say? Both of them. She's had a stroke. Which which leg do you want to use, Mom? I want to use both of them. That's her head talking to me. And the head of the body of Christ wants to use all the parts. Oh, I'm just the appendix of the church, you might say. Have you been studying about the appendix, you medical people? You find out the appendix is pretty important after all. You, I, 
Well, I'm just, you know, I, I, I don't make, you make a huge difference. In a, and by the way, because that is true, you share the way this church is. The responsibility you share with everybody else on how this church is going to be. So if you're whining and complaining about it, you're part of the reason it's the way it is. Man, Tim, that's the truth. We share responsibility of how our church is going to be. We share responsibility of what it's going to be able to do. We share the responsibility of how healthy it's going to be. Look at this passage in Ephesians 4. He makes the whole body, that's God, fit together perfectly. All the parts. He's trying to put them together perfectly like a puzzle. You ever put together a puzzle and there's a missing piece? It's one thing when somebody has it in their pocket because they're so selfish they want to be the last person, you know. It's another thing when you buy it at the garage sale for a nickel and you go, now I know why it's sold for a nickel. Because somebody knows and they kept it. It doesn't look right. It's something missing. God says, oh, I want all the whole body fit together. Each part does its own special work, he says. It helps the other part. As it does this, it helps the other parts do what, church? Grow. So that the whole body is what? Healthy and growing and full of love. So God has a special work assigned for you. Well, somebody else can do it. Well, for you right-handed people, the left hand can do it, but isn't it a little awkward? Yeah. Sure, there's something I, I can manage, but I don't. God says, I don't want to manage. I want the church to be full. I want it to be healthy. I want all the parts working together. You see, if you don't do your special work, it will not be done. Oh, somebody else will do it. No, it won't. I'm convinced it doesn't get done. The work that God gave you to do, he wants you to do. And when you don't do it, it doesn't get done. And it hurts the church. It hurts, it hurts the body of Christ. Let me ask you as we close here, what are you wanting? What do you need to start up this year? We're still at the beginning of this year. What should you start? Can I ask you another question? What is the reason that is robbing you of starting? I just don't have what it takes. Uh, excuse. God does. And with God, you have. I've failed. Uh, the past. God wiped that clean. And he's saying, stop looking at that. Look ahead. I'm trying to start something. I want you to be involved in it. Stop making that excuse. Can't make that one anymore. I don't have the time. Well, God will help you find it. He will help you find that time. What I do doesn't matter. God says, stop talking like that. Stop saying that kind of stuff. I'm asking you as we, as we close this lesson, as we begin this year, we think of all the reasons, and maybe you can think of some others, that you, would you just look a little closer at that reason? Pray over that reason a little bit more and see if God will expose the excuse in it. That little excuse that's there, whatever it is. Someone once said this, don't give in to excuses that can keep you from really living the life God has for you. And that's what I'm hoping that I've encouraged you to do today is to just look again, look close, pray over this, over your reasons. 
Look at scripture for your reasons. Ask God, God help me make no more excuses. And take that step of faith. There's a card in your bulletin. You can respond to this lesson, a prayer request, or maybe a comment. That'd be, that'd be great. We have a team of people that pray with these cards. Listen, this prayer ministry has never quit. It's never quit. They continue to pray over what you have to say and your decisions you're making. And why not get the power of prayer involved in this at the beginning of this year? And maybe you'd like to study the Bible. Well, put that. I want to open the Bible up to someone. I want to talk about this some more. I hope you'll share some of this stuff. If you're in a small group, you'll talk about this. Talk it over. And um, may God bless you as we start this year with his do-over. Let's pray. Father, we praise you. Thank you, Father, for making, just transforming all these reasons that we have into an excuse to, to, let, to, to help us know that whatever reason we have, when you are brought into it, you change it and you make it more, more positive, Father, than we realize. So God, we pray this morning, help us stop making whatever excuse there is that will, that will make this commitment. We'll say to ourselves and we'll say to you, Lord, no more excuses. That we, that we realize, like the lame man realized afterwards, your, your help is right in front of us. You can help us walk. You can help us try. You can help us overcome. You can help us succeed. And you can help us together build your church, build your body that's full of love. We thank you, God. Thank you for your son, Jesus. The ultimate, the ultimate reason that we can even experience a do-over. And we humbly, humbly, Father, Thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. When it's all been said and done, there is just one thing that matters. And I do my best to live
Amen.